Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. We're so glad that you're with us this morning. If you're a guest, we want to welcome you, and we're so glad that you joined us for worship. Believe it or not, no matter what's going on, there's reason to celebrate. God is on His throne. (laughs) Amen. His kingdom stands. It's not shaken. Nothing's changed, and nothing will change. And we can rejoice in that. Well, this morning, uh, once a month, we give an update on uh, the progress of the the building project that we've been uh, in for some time. Uh, And many of you will be pleased to know that this is the last update I'll be giving on the NCC West building because we're finishing it this month. It's going to be done. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So our original estimate uh, was $849,000. We left that up last month, but this, this month I've made the adjustment uh, to take it down. Uh, and we've received $770,000 to date that was designated toward the Generations Building, uh, which left us with a balance of $41,000. Many of you will remember that when we started this project, we believed that God told us not to get a loan, uh, to build it as the funds came in. And he gave us the scripture, uh, Exodus 25, 1 and 2. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Take for me a contribution from every man whose heart moves him. You shall receive the contribution for me. And so every contribution that has been come in has been a gift to God, whether it was a contribution of tithes and offerings or whether it was designated to the Generations Campaign. And as we came to the end of the project, one, uh, you know, it's broken up into phases because God didn't tell us how he was going to do it. He just said, present this to the people, take the contribution and build it. And so in our wisdom, we thought, well, it may all come and it may flow without stopping, but he might, you know, give us so much and so much. So we were like, well, we'll break it up into three phases. And uh, if we run out, of money, we'll stop at that phase, and then we'll wait, and then we'll go to phase two, and then we'll go to phase three. Well, little did we know that God, that wasn't his plan. Uh, his plan was to provide it and never stop, and, and so we started this you know, process uh, with the cash that we had on hand and then what was given throughout the project, and not one time did we have to stop, and uh, God provided it, and it was in these contributions that were coming in. And so uh, at, at, we're six months into our fiscal year. Our fiscal year is September to August. And so uh, this last month we had an elders meeting and, and I was presenting this to them. And um, it, was, it was looking like, you know, we're almost done. We have this much left. Um, but, but designated contributions hadn't, you know, totally paid for the, for the building. But as I was looking at the whole budget, we had... Uh, Excess to our budget and needs and expenses had come in in this first six months of the year to pay for the rest of the balance. Um, and so we said, you know, God said, take from me a contribution. He didn't just say just money designated to that. And it's like, well, everything that we've given is to the Lord and for the Lord and what he's called us to do. And so the elders made the decision that whatever balance was left, we would use those funds to, to pay for it. And this is, I, I still believe God provided those funds and it was for this and to pay that off uh, and without stopping. And, and I'll give you uh, just an example of, of uh, why I believe that. And I started looking back into our uh, finances over the last uh, years and I almost went back 10 years to 2013. At that point, I just quit, <laughs> quit looking. Um, but going back to 2013 in the first six months of our fiscal years, uh, we never even came to half of this 
excess in the budget. Um, and several of those years, we were actually at a negative, meaning six months in, we'd actually needed to use, you know, funds that were in saving or in the bank account just to meet expenses because we'd, you know, spent more than had come in. Um, but this year, when we needed it, when God told us to take the contribution and to do this without taking a loan, God provided the entire balance to pay for the whole building. And so uh, God did this. He paid for it. He, he called us to do it, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later in the, in the message because I believe this is a miracle. And so often we can do things and things can happen. Amen, yes. And, and all praise and all glory and honor go to Him. We merely obey and do what He tells us to do, and then He does the miracle. But something like that can happen, and either we can disregard it and not acknowledge that he did it and it was a miracle, or even worse, we could take the credit for ourselves and say, look what we did. We didn't do this. God did. We didn't come up with the idea of how to do it. God did. All we did is said what he said to do, and he provided. And the physical building that's sitting over there is far less important than the ministry that he's going to accomplish in it and through it. And we know that he's going to reach generations of children and youth in that building and generations to come by the impact made in those lives to other future generations because of the ministry that's going to be done there. And all glory and all praise and all honor go to him. Amen. Thank you. It's exciting. And... As you can see, there was a, it is a phase four, um, and we, we presented that at the very beginning as well. This building, it's been 25 to 30 years since anything has been done in the sanctuary. So carpet, chairs, walls, uh, sound system, all those kind of things are, are pretty dilapidated. Um, for those of you who help us pick up the chairs for the youth, uh, when that's done, you see the you know, massive spots and stains and just all the things. It's been used. We've done ministry here, lots and lots of ministry, and so it needs some help. So going forward, any contribution to generations will start, uh, we will start setting it aside for that project. If you have your Bible, uh, please turn to John chapter 6, and we're going to pick up where we left off uh, last week, and we're going to get to John 6 in just a moment. We started this series last Sunday asking the same question that Peter did, and his question was actually a response to something that Jesus said. And Peter said, to whom shall we go? And our focus this morning, we're going to be looking at the end of John chapter 6, but I want to take a moment to remind you of the overall context of John chapter 6 and what happened prior to what we're going to be looking at. And one of the things that if you were with us last Sunday or watched online, uh, you'll know that everything that occurred in the chapter of John chapter 6 uh, occurred in an approximately 24-hour window, from one afternoon one day to the next afternoon the following day. So if we were to put ourselves in their shoes in that context and pretend like we're in that environment this morning, uh, everything prior to what we're looking at this morning happened yesterday. So just yesterday afternoon, Jesus performed the miracle of feeding over 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread and a couple fish. And it was just yesterday that he did that by blessing it and giving it to the disciples to hand out to the crowd. And then it was last night, in the middle of the night, 
that he had sent the disciples to the other side of the sea and a storm had come up and they were fighting it and they were fearing death. And Jesus himself walked out on the water and he uh, calmed their fears because they thought they were seeing a ghost. And Peter said, hey, Lord, if it's you, call me out. And Jesus said, come. And Peter walks out on the water to Jesus. And after they get back in the boat, he speaks and calms the sea. And they finish their trip over. And now it's in the next day and Jesus has just finished teaching another lesson, sharing a message to the people. And it's after this message that everyone gets offended and walks away. The crowd leaves. Most of Jesus' disciples leave. And the ones that are left are the twelve. And that's where we pick up this morning in verse 67 when Jesus asked them this question. And he said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him. If you've studied the Bible, you know Peter's the spokesman of the group. He always has something to say. So he answers for everybody. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And in verse 70, Jesus answers Peter's response. And he says, did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. And he spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Peter has had a revelation of who Jesus Christ is, and he decides to speak for the whole group. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter gets it. He understands, but he mistakenly believes that they all get it. Why would he think that? Well, maybe because they'd all had the same experience. Every one of these twelve just handed out a couple of pieces of bread and fish to over 5,000 people yesterday. They had all just seen Jesus walk on water and calm a storm last night. And they had all just heard the same teaching that while it made most of them walk away, it burned within Peter and came alive within Peter. And he says, I get it. I see, I understand the message, I understand the word, and you're the only way. Where else would we go? And he thinks that they've all had the same revelation. But they didn't. And I think Jesus' response kind of surprised him. Jesus said, did I not choose you? I hand-picked you twelve, and yet one of you is a devil. And John adds that it was Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, because he was going to betray Jesus. And I want us to take a few minutes and think about these two men, Peter and Judas. How could two men be more opposite? The thing that's hard for us to grasp if we take the time to consider it is that they had both had the same experience. They had both walked with Jesus. They had both heard his teachings. They had both seen his miracles. They'd seen the miracle yesterday. They participated in the miracle yesterday. 
and they literally experience the same things for three years. And yet one has a revelation of who Jesus Christ is and the other one wants to remain the Lord of his own life because Jesus didn't do things the way he thought they should be done. Last week we discussed how we all at some point have to make the decision to follow Jesus or to walk away. And that day the crowd and many of Jesus' disciples chose to walk away. The only ones that we know for sure that stayed are the twelve. And Jesus points out that even one of them, while not leaving, was not with them. How is it possible that two people can experience the same thing and have such a different response? Whether we realize it or not, this question is related to the other question, to whom else will we go? Because while Peter was certain there was no other answer, at least for he and the other eleven, the truth was one had already chosen in his heart to walk away. Jesus was not the Lord of his life, and he never would be. And just to be clear, there is no other way. We have a choice, but only one is right. There's not a plan B to the plan A. There's a million other choices, but they're all wrong. And Jesus made it clear just a few verses before in the message that offended everyone. In verse 35, he said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And then in verse 47, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give him for the life of the world is my flesh. And these words offended them. And they walked away. But Jesus had made it very clear in this day and throughout his ministry over and over and over again that there is only one way to God the Father. There is only one way to the truth. There is only one way to the life and it's through him. God the Father literally answers every question that we have the same way by continually revealing to us more of his Son. But we have to choose whether we believe it or not. We have to choose to receive it or not. We have to choose if we're going to follow Him or go away. Let's ask the question again. How can two people experience the same thing and come to such different conclusions? There's a a theologian and a man that wrote a commentary on the whole Bible named Matthew Henry. He was a minister in the late 1600s and 1700s. And there's a passage uh, that he wrote that I'm going to read to you this morning, but it's a paraphrase. I told the first service it's it's, kind of like the message translation of the Bible, but it's uh, Matthew Henry according to Pastor Chris. The reason I did this is because anybody who's read older writings know things English in the 1600s and 1700s sounds nothing like what we speak today let alone in Texas. Uh, (laughs) So, 
Y'all, we'll start. God ordained the law and commandments to give us life. He intended them as a guide to our comfort and happiness. However, the result of the law ended in death because of the corruption of our nature. Many also come to ruin on the rock of salvation rather than receiving God's gift of life. The same word of God which brings some to life causes others to choose death. The same sun that makes the garden of flowers more fragrant makes the dunghill more repulsive. The same heat that softens wax hardens the clay. And the same man, Jesus Christ, was set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. The only way to come to blessing instead of peril, is to bow our souls to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, not fighting against it, but submitting to it. It's the only way. Yet the same sun, whether we're talking about the sun in the sky or the Son of God, Jesus Christ, shining the same light on two objects or two souls can result in completely different responses. We have to choose how we're going to respond. The light of the sun on wax melts it, but the light on the wet clay makes it hard and brittle. The light of God shining on us draws some to Him and pushes others away. We can walk through the same circumstances, experience the same things, uh, the loss of a parent, the loss of a child, an illness, the loss of all of our finances, you know, trial and trial and persecution after persecution, and two people who go through the same things, one the trials draw them to God, and one they walk away and curse God. It's not the experience, it's the heart, and it's the revelation of Christ and whether we decide to receive it or to walk away. This is the truth. And my prayer is that everyone who hears it will see and believe that the only answer is to completely submit to the authority and lordship of our Heavenly Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. Not to strive against it, but to submit to it. But I can't make you. God Himself will not make you. He leaves the choice up to each one of us. We have to choose to believe or walk away. The root of this problem goes all the way back to the very beginning. Adam and Eve. God created them. He created us, man and woman, in His image. But He gave them choice. He said, you can eat of everything except for one tree in the garden. And Satan comes one day and tells a lie to Eve regarding that fruit. A lie that both Adam and Eve will believe. And in Genesis 3, 4, and 5, Satan says, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Knowing good and evil. Adam and Eve just didn't disobey God or sin. Their act of sin was an attempt to be like God. They were saying, you are not going to be Lord over our lives. We can be Lord of our own life. We can take care of ourselves. Adam and Eve in their sin reached for more than God had granted them or us. 
They desire to be like God. And it's the same sin that Satan committed and, and deceived so many angels because he said, I can arise higher than him. I can be like God. And we believe the same lie. And I saw something this week, and I'd not seen it before, and it ties to last week's message that in this moment of sin, in this rebellion, in this desire to be like God, Adam and Eve brought the burden of God on themselves. We took on the responsibility, a responsibility that was never ours to have. And so when we look out and around at all the problems in the world and the sin and the horrific actions and atrocities that are happening today and throughout all history, and if we're not walking with God, if He's not on the throne in every area of our life, then we take on the burden of that because it's ours. Because we took it. And we feel helpless because we are. And we feel incompetent because we are. We feel overwhelmed because we are. God gave man dominion over the earth. He did not give them lordship. He held ownership. He said, take care of this for me. In Psalm 24.1 it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything that's in it. It's all His. And He asked us to care for it, walking in relationship with Him. But Adam and Eve believed a lie. And they said, we can be Lord of our own life. We can be like God. And as long as we stay walking in our life apart from Him, we're carrying that burden. Who else is going to do it? It's on us. It's ours, right? I'm the Lord of my own life. Nobody's going to tell me to do anything. That's the lot of humanity apart from God. Humanity has struggled under that burden ever since. It's a weight we can never carry. It's a weight that we were never intended to carry. God didn't create us to. And apart from a relationship with the Father, His Son, we attempt to carry that burden every day. That's why we're overwhelmed. That's why we're depressed. That's why suicide rates are skyrocketing. That's why people are on medication. They're trying to carry a burden they can never hope to carry. He didn't create us to be independent beings. He didn't create us to be Lord of our own life. So we're left with a choice. We either come to the same realization that Peter did, that Jesus Christ is the bread of life, that He can fully and totally sustain us if we come to Him totally and completely. Or like Judas, we reject Him because we think we can do it better on our own. No one is going to be the Lord of our life. The truth is that life itself doesn't make sense outside of God. And it never fully will because we are not God and we can't comprehend it. Unless we acknowledge our limits and subject ourselves to God's rule, unless we trust the giver of all good gifts, we will end up in a state of despair from trying to carry a load that we could never carry. 
In Mark 8.36, Jesus said it would do us no good at all to gain the whole world and lose our own soul, even if we could get it all. You know, the reason people in wealthy nations are more depressed and, and suicidal and all those things is because they get what they think will make them happy. And when they get it, they find out it doesn't make us happy. It doesn't fulfill us. It doesn't complete us. And it never can. It never will. It was never intended to. And unless they figure out that there is nowhere else to go, there's no other person to turn to than Jesus Christ, then they will always be in that state. We have to come to a realization that we are not God. Seems like a crazy statement, doesn't it? But that's literally something every single one of us struggles with every single day in every decision that we make and everything that we want. What do I want? What do I want to do today? What choices am I going to make? What's the desire of my heart? Every time we look at things through that lens, we are putting ourselves in the seat of lordship. We weren't created to be Lord of our life. Jesus said it clearly in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. He said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, Jesus in Matthew 6 said everything that he was doing and everything that he was saying was of the Father's will. And he said that throughout the Word and throughout his teachings over and over and over. He said, it's not my will, it's the Father's will. Even going to the cross, he said, not my will, your will be done. If this is, he even prayed, take this cup. I don't really want to go through this. Nevertheless, if this is your will, I submit. Everything he did and everything he said was according to the will of the Father. He was God himself. He was more than we could ever dream to be. And he totally and completely humbled himself to only be obedient to the will of the Father. He was living the perfect example to us. Saying, you know what? I am Lord. Something you will never be. And I am going to submit to the will of the Father. And we have to choose. Are we going to submit and let him be Lord in our life? Or are we going to continue to be Lord of our own life? In, in Matthew 4, uh, verse 4, Jesus, it was, Satan was tempting Jesus himself, and Jesus' response is, he said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's how we have to live. That's the only way we can have true life, whole life, salvation, and a relationship with the Father, is to live on every word that comes from the mouth of the Father Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we don't do anything, that we just sit idly by and say, well, then it's all in God's hands. We're not responsible for anything. Jesus didn't stand idly by. He obediently did the will of the Father. And He would pray. He would go off to pray to hear the Father. We can all pray. He would study the Word and the Torah 
We can all study the Word. He would listen to what God told him to do. And by his own admission, everything he did was led by the Father. And this is where obedience comes in. And we, we, I mentioned uh, Moses last week. You know, when you think about it, all the miracles that happened uh, that Moses did, one, he didn't do any of them on his own. It was God working through him. But none of it was hard in and of itself. When he first went, he just had to tell them about plagues and what was going to come, and then God would do it. He threw a stick on the ground, and it turned into a snake. Moses didn't do that. God did. But think about this for a minute. What would have happened if God didn't come through when Moses was obedient? He's standing before the Pharaoh, and you throw a stick on the ground and say, Ha! (laughs) Now what do you say? Well, there's a stick on the ground. He would have looked like an idiot every time that he said what God was going to do. What if God hadn't come through? It was foolishness. What man can say flies or frogs or blood and all these things are going to come out of thin air? Nobody. But he spoke them in obedience to the word of the Father and God came through every single time. How hard was it to hold a stick over the Red Sea? Who in here can't do that? We can all do it, but none of us, including Moses, could part the Red Sea. How long do you think you would have sat there if the sea hadn't parted? You know, would you wait an hour or five or two days? You know, and the people are waiting behind you and you're like... God had to come through. And the same thing applied to Jesus. Nothing that Jesus did was physically difficult or physically hard. Even even the death on the cross, He had to suffer through it, but He couldn't do anything to make it happen. And when God said, spit in the mud and put it in this blind eyes, what would have happened if the Father hadn't healed it? Do you rub some more, make some more, spit some more? I mean, and then just apologize? (laughs) Really sorry, man. I thought I was being obedient. I thought I heard right. Obviously not. The Father came through. Jesus, while He could have sat in the throne that he was rightful heir to, chose not to, and chose to be obedient to the will of the Father. And he says, I'm not going to do anything in my will. You tell me to do it, I will do it. And the Father healed. The Father did the work. Jesus was obedient all the way to the cross. That's what we're called to do. One person, one man, one woman, in any circumstance, in any arena of life, is a majority when they're with God. God can change this nation with one person, if that's His will. He can change the world with one person, if that's His will. But we have to go to Him and ask Him, Father, what's Your will? Let Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You speak to us and we will be obedient. 
Is God calling you to be in the, the school board here? Is he calling you to be the next mayor of Lampasas? Is he calling you to be the mother to your children? Is he calling you to be the father in your household? Is he calling you to be a witness in your workplace? Whatever he's telling you to do, do that. When you hold the stick out, when he tells you to, he's going to do something miraculous. All we did was say what he said and said, God told us to build this and he told us to ask and we're presenting it. And look what he did. It wasn't hard to present. If we'd have stopped three times, if we'd have stopped once and been stopped for eight months, you know, we just keep it. Well, we'd have had the same stand. We heard him. We did it. We're walking through it. But he has showed himself mighty and miraculous. And all we did was respond. Be faithful as, as crazy as it may sound, as ridiculous as it may sound, as uncomfortable as it may make you be. Do what he tells you to do. He will lead each and every one of us into his calling for us if we will give up the burden of being the Lord of our own life. And let him sit on his rightful throne in our hearts. And he even says, give your soul a rest. Give your soul a rest. And take the burden that I give you. Because it's light. I'm going to do all the heavy lifting. When it comes to the miracle, leave it to me. I'll take care of it. You just respond and be obedient and walk with me. In Ephesians 4.11, he says, He himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. God has called us all to be ministers. He's called every single one of us to be disciples. And we respond in the arena and the way that he calls us to respond. Go to him and we can respond like Peter and say, where else could we go? I have no one else to turn to. And I'm going to wait for you until you give me the word. Because if I go before, then I'm taking back the seat of lordship. I'm saying I've waited too long. I was listening to the Bible this week and, and just the random or where it, where it is right now. It was talking about Moses and the children of Israel waiting for the cloud to move in the day or the fire to move at night. And it says sometimes they would wait a day. Sometimes it would be weeks. Sometimes it was years. It would just stay still. But they would wait till it moved. And I think we're getting... Antsy, we want to do something. But whether it's a day or a week or a month or a year, wait on the Lord. Now they were busy, they were living, they were gathering, they were raising their children. It wasn't that there was no activity, but they were waiting on Him for the direction before they went on. And they stayed at the last place He told them to be. So if you're waiting for that instruction, I know how hard it is to wait, but wait. 
Because if you pick up the burden on your own, you're going to be overwhelmed. We're going to close with 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. It kind of sums it all up. It says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? We'll stop there just for a second. What's the wisdom of the world look like today? (laughs) Absolutely ridiculous. All of our wisdom and understanding and knowledge for thousands of years has culminated to what we see today. And it's utter foolishness. Verse 21, For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Amen. Amen. We can let the burden go. But that same truth, and this just takes home everything we've talked about, that same truth is a stumbling block to some, folly to some, but to some it's the power and wisdom of God. And that's the truth. God's foolishness is wiser than man's wisdom and His weakness is is stronger than our strength. The same light of the sun is shining on all of us. Who are we going to go to? Who are we going to choose? Are we going to let Him melt our heart or are we going to let it turn it into stone? We have to choose. Are we going to keep the burden of lordship that we were never intended to carry? Or will we take it to him and say, will you please exchange this for your light burden and give my soul some rest? Will you bow your head with me? Father, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ that He is the way, the truth, and the life, the only way, the only truth, the only life in Christ alone. Father, and the revelation seems so clear, like Peter. We would think, how could anybody miss it? Father, soften our hearts, change our hearts. Let us hear the voice of the Holy Spirit crying out the truth and allow us to receive it. Father, that the cry of all of us would be, to whom else would we go? You are the only way. You are the only truth. You are the only life.
Father, we pray as you taught us to pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. Lord, that we see what you're doing and we hear what you're saying and we participate with you and we proclaim the word that you're speaking. Father, we pray for all the lost that you would allow us to be a light. But Father, we know that the responsibility is not on us. They have to choose. But we can shine the light. Father, open every ear in this place. Open every heart in this place. Lord, let us hear what you're saying. And let us respond. We'll leave the miraculous up to you. In your name we pray. Amen. What a good word. Yes. Before we go, just a couple of announcements. Uh, Youth tonight at 5 o'clock. This marriage group is going to be meeting this Wednesday at 6.30. They usually do a potluck together, so bring something green to eat. Men, Saturday morning, men's breakfast at 8 a.m. And next Saturday night, move your clocks ahead one hour. Yeah, <laughs> daylight savings time. If not, you'll come to the 9 o'clock service. Or the 11 o'clock. Speaking of our uh, building, New Covenant West, on April the 24th, mark your calendars, on April the 24th, there's going to be the first community activity in our building is going to be a community youth rally. Right? This, on Saturday night, is going to be for the youth, grades 6 through 12, and they're going to be having Phil Joel uh, from New Zealand who work, who plays the bass for the Newsboys. And he's going to be here performing a concert on Saturday night. Now, this is for the kids, but Sunday morning he's going to be here on the 25th. And so all of you adults get to get down while the children are over in the West Building. So April the 24th for the youth, April the 25th for us adults. Let's choose life. And walk with Jesus. Father, we bless you. We thank you. We honor you. Thank you for the word of God will come to pass. We just need to believe, receive, and step into it. Because you're the performer. You will do miracles. And you're doing them every day. Bless this people, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's message.